Hello, hello, and welcome back to Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, Roberto, and I'm coming to you with a slew of podcasts these days because there's time to do them, <laughs> and there's just so much to dive into right now, you know? Um, and today, I'm going to speak to you on this podcast about something that's quite dear to my heart and something that's um, really, really um, important to me, and that is to talk about how I raise my children and give them such an extraordinary life that so many people cannot even imagine, whether it be as a kid or as an adult. Um, you know, my boy Mikio had been on 60 flights before he was even two. Catalina's been on float planes and even to New Zealand while in the belly of her mummy's tummy at around eight months. Ariella, well, she's only 10 months old, but her journey has begun with several trips in the airstream and even some backcountry trips when she was only a few months old. And you know, there is one of the things that somebody told me when I was having my first kid is, you are the best person to raise your child. And I think that's very, very true. You see, we are our kids' best teachers. And, and yet there's a caveat because I once told an uncle of mine, I'm like, oh, well, everybody's a great father. And he turned to me and he said, no, that's not true. And as much as I'd love to idealize that all people are great parents and all people are the best at raising their own kids, there is a gray zone in all of this where the reality is that perhaps some people do a better job of it than others. And perhaps some people are in the position to do a better job because they don't have financial constraints or concerns and they don't live in the slums of Dubai or, you know, so there's so many variables as to how one, how good one is perhaps in raising their own children. But if everybody were equal and we all raised our, we all had the same amount of money to raise our kids and the same amount of familial support and and all of these things, then perhaps it would be easier to say, well, that person's doing a better job than that other one. But by just diving into this, you can clearly see that there is no black and white. And the variables are so plentiful that I guess at the end of the day, these are the things that make us all so very unique, is that no parent raises their kids the same way and no variables are the same for each person. So, yeah, I guess that's that. But all this to say that this episode is to chat to you about how I raise my kids and what approach I've taken, whether it comes down to um, talking to them or the adventures I take them on or, or the things that perhaps I acknowledge I am not good at. Um, and I think that's important when you're talking about raising your kids is being honest to yourself and saying, you know what? I'm not good at X, Y, Z things. So perhaps somebody else could do a better job at that than me. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I've noticed with, uh, 
with child-rearing is that you quickly come to understand that there's definitely a whole slew of things that you're likely the best at to teach your child, but there's a whole set of things that you're really not. And my difficulty comes in, I think, teaching my kids to read and write and to be artistic and, and drawing and all of that, because that is um, one of the things that I find um, tricky. Perhaps it's the patience to sit down and teach them how to draw, or perhaps it's simply that I've never been that great a drawer and, and that I'm much better at teaching my kids to canoe and to kayak. And I am actually much better at teaching my kids to do sports than I am to teach them to read and write. And for this, I am grateful for our schooling system because um, they obviously pick up, pick up the gaps where one leaves off. And, uh, and for Mikio, who's in primary school grade, going into grade one, um, he has learned to read and write from school. But when it comes to his adventurous um, activities, these are taught by me. And the things that I teach my kids to do are a bit different. I take them on expeditions to places in the world that few would even go themselves because of perhaps danger or inaccessibility. But I've decided that in in a way, if I can get my children to far off places and to deep into the wild or into the bush, then why not? There's nobody more capable to take them on a canoe trip or a kayaking trip. There's nobody more aware about how comfortable they might be and what they will um, do. But, um, but that is... One second, just got to write this. It still needs to be done. Um, sorry. Um, so, so anyways, I'm, I'm digressing. So let's, let's just say, I just have to say here a moment, we to, to a guest that wants to jump in on the call, how to do that and see if they're going to, um, we just need to finalize. Incorporation and agreement then, incor. Sweet. Um, and so I digress. Sorry, I got uh, distracted there. So one message from somebody saying they want to call in and I'm tell telling them, okay, well, the, the app's really simple. And they're like, I can't log in. And <laughs> you're just like, well, I'm not going to explain to you how to log in at the moment when I'm live because that is something that perhaps you can figure out on your own. So, so there's so many different things that we do as parents to teach our children um, how to explore the world and how to do activities. And in my case, my forte is in teaching them about limits, about adventure, about um, nature, about pushing themselves um, through sport and nature. And it's it's the thing that, that I love to do the most myself. So, so a few of the activities which I find are very character building for my kids, um, are, are hiking and canoeing. And um, when we go on our hiking trips, you know, I try and make them be very included in the packing stage of it because it makes them aware of everything we have to take and all the different things we have to do while on this camping adventure. Um, also, it also gives them a sense of responsibility of being part of all of the camping and being part of of the adventure that uh, that we're going on. Because if I'm able to teach them those things, then perhaps when they're 
toting their little bag that feels a little bit too heavy, they might say, you know what? Oh, this is part of how I have to take so many things. And and a big part of our lifestyle and having raised these children to be quite happy and, and relaxed kids is simply by having them um, be part of pretty much everything that we've done um, and to be very, very close. You know, some people will say to me that uh, that's very difficult to to put their kids to sleep because um, the kids are always crying and they don't want to be going into a dark room. Well, in our case, we never did uh, sleep training. And a big part of the reason not to do sleep training is that for me, it's just so completely unnatural to, to leave your kids your newborn baby in a dark room and let them cry it out until they figure it out that nobody's going to come. I mean, if scientifically, if in the first five years of a child's life, it's some of the most important and formative years for their neurons and their connections that they make for the rest of their lives, the first thing you're going to teach them when they're out of the womb is how to fall asleep in the dark or with light with nobody coming to get them. And that never made any sense to us. So um, we never did it. And funny enough, a lot of people have said, oh, hey, I've noticed that um, that your kids aren't scared of the dark. And no, they're not scared of the dark because we've never put them in a scenario where the dark would be something that they should be concerned about, wary about, or nervous about. Um, and I think that, you know, just like Pavlov's dog, you train your kid to do something. And if you train them that they have to fall asleep in the dark, then of course they're going to be scared of that. Um, and another big thing, you know, this is one of this next point is something that obviously parents that have quite liberal, liberal lifestyles for work can do, but people that have very strict um, work lifestyle, they, they can't. And that is co-sleeping, you know, co-sleeping has been a big thing um, for us in, in our lives because it's so important to to be with our children um, in the dark and at night. And I think that that connection of hugging them and reading to them and to putting them to sleep uh, and staying with them really until they fall asleep has, has been formative in making us have such nonchalant, happy and relaxed kids because it's just the most natural thing. You know, a lot of people say, well, how uh, children should be in their own room as of a young age. And I'm like, do you understand that for thousands of years and thousands, if not even millions of years, that families have lived usually in one room together and usually in one bed together as well. So from our days of being, you know, hunter gatherers and um, living in teepees and tents and, and, uh, and all over, you know, being the, the whole concept of privacy is a very, very new concept that's actually only a few hundred years old, to, to be honest. Um, and so kids were always with their parents, whether they were at work or strapped to their back while tending the fields or, or simply sitting around while they gathered um, stuff and, and, and fruits and vegetables and all of that. They've always been with us. The whole concept of of privacy and of children having their own rooms is, is actually quite nascent because only, you know, if you just look a few hundred years back to, to kings and queens and Englands and France and all of those places, the palace was not built in a way or the palaces were not built in a way where you walk from one 
room into a hallway, down the hallway, and into another room. It was actually, in order to get, for example, to the king's quarters, um, you walk from one room directly into the next room, directly into the next room, directly into the next room, and, and then you get to your bedroom. And some of the rooms you would likely have passed would have been bedrooms. And so the early days... Um, the whole concept of privacy was a new thing and, and people having their own rooms as well. Um, and that's why I think that's just one of the things that I find it's important to, to understand because children are not meant to be um, segregated in a home, I think, and particularly at the very young age of zero to five. They're meant to be with us, attached to us, on our backs, on our shoulders, Ah, running around our feet and all of that. Yes, it is mighty unproductive to try and get anything done in this scenario, but I'm not talking about absolutes. I'm talking about general possibility. And if we can do that, then we can have happier children because they just want to be around us and learn from us and mimic us. And if we teach them that they have to be segregated in our houses and in our playgrounds and then then no then that's not right we don't we don't split children away from their parents um for activity and that's you know case in point is i'm in a hundred square foot uh airstream which is tiny and i have three little ones under the age of six and they don't know any different than being all together in a room yes when we travel or when we go to a friend's house and they see that the other children have bedrooms and multiple they ask oh hey daddy do we have do it's cool that they have their own room and things like that, but they're so happy and relaxed um, at this age in particular with us in our small spaces that they don't they don't need to be in their own bedroom. They don't need to be cut off in in a household, and and they're quite happy as it is. So so one of our tricks is indeed to have our children almost always around us. Now for work, yes, it's very difficult, but. That is when the nanny comes in or when the daycare comes in or when the school comes in. And during those hours, I'm able to be much more productive on my work stuff, like doing a podcast, than I would be, of course, if I was trying to do this uh, with them running between my legs. So that's one of the tips is keep try and be as often as possible with your children. You know, yesterday on the podcast, I was talking about how uh, we get to the end of life or our goals are for the end of life to reach a point where we're wealthy, we have a big house, we have a big car, um, we have country houses, whatever it may be, we travel a lot. But all of these things, if we don't remember that, if we're just focused on the end goal to get to all of these things and we forget that the journey really is the goal, then you get to the end of that and you find the typical giant home in Westmount, an you know, exclusive section of Montreal, where there is complete dysfunction in between the parents, the kids, uh, because the father was just too focused on work and he was not focused enough on spending time with his children. And it's a case in point. I've seen it. You know, I went to private schools and, um, and I've seen so many kids that they just don't know their parents. They don't know, they haven't spent time with them because the parents' goals have been to perhaps just create wealth. And that goal of just creating wealth comes at the cost and particularly the cost of leaving and not spending enough time with your kids. So, you know, don't forget that. It's, it's so important that, uh, that we spend time with our humans. And I know that I have the luxury to do so more than the average person because of a non-traditional job and being my own boss. But 
it is really what our kids want the most, above and beyond any toy or Game Boy that you could buy them. Oh, I've got a caller here. Let's see. Let's take Jai. Hello, Jai. I hope I'm saying your name right. Let's see if we can. you got to unmute your microphone there, and then you'll be able to jump in can on the call. Me? Can you hear hello, me now? Hello? hello? Oh, I can't hear anything. Hello, hello. Let me see if I can. Un- All right, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. How are you? All right, cool, cool, man. I'm I'm very well. How, how are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. So tell me, what's good. on your mind? So, yeah, um, the ages, I, I wasn't sure if you said uh, daughters or sons or daughters. It doesn't even matter. But the age they're at is such a beautiful time. But it's also very, um, as I'm sure you know, so important because they say from zero to seven, you're in a state that's kind of like, uh, you know, like frequencies. They're in theta which is okay. almost uh, like it's almost um, like uh, what are they? What is it called? I'm forget. I'm drawing it's a blank. Sponge they, uh, stage. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they're a sponge. It's almost like hypnosis. Um, so everything yeah. they take in and they see from especially mommy and daddy um, that can shape someone's life. And, yeah. you know, if someone uh, has a rough growing up, you know, it's just because uh, I'm from New York. I'm yep. originally from the originally from the Bronx, yep. um, which I, I, you know, I've lived in uh, three out of five boroughs, and I love the city. But yep. um, when uh, when I was younger, we moved up to um, Westchester County, which is okay. more you know more suburban. There's still cities, but just more suburban. Thing the rat race is nothing like. Uh, Manhattan and right, <laughs> it, it's just no, it's it's insane. People take it to another level here. And so when listen, when I'm, you when you moved up there, was it a big change for you as a kid? Is is what you're saying? Uh, in your you want to know some, you want to know something interesting? You think you'd have to worry about abduction in the Bronx, right? Yeah. So no, I used to go to uh, the we 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 owned a chapel. So it was okay. in uh, my, it was in our, I'm adopted. My family's very Italian, old fashioned. Yep. I was going to get to that because yep. I eat dinner with my mother every night, man. Amazing. Um, that, well, that's yeah. the typical, that's the typical like Italian families and Mexican oh, families dude, as well. It's, it, yes, it's everything, man, because without family, I mean, listen, I have some great friends um, where I live. There is such a bad opiate epidemic, and I've lost a lot of friends to it, and it's really unfortunate. You wow, know, that's it, terrible. It's just, you know, um, you, you you can't grieve one because another one passes before you can even, uh, you know, process it. And, and, right. uh, in 2019, I lost one of, I mean, the first person I met in kindergarten, actually. You know, oh, we were friends. And do you think That's a lot of this came one. from like these people ending up in in, opi- uh, well, in opiates came from you know, their youth you know, or troubled youth? Um, so I mean, I I've I definitely dabbled. Um, 
But I had, I got kidney stones at a very young age, at 14. Yep. They said they've never heard of it. But like I said, I'm adopted. I don't know any of my genetics. Um, right. But yeah, so I, I had to go under a few times and they gave me, um, you know, they, they didn't warn me nothing, but gave me prescriptions for Percocet or Vicodin right. first, I think, then Percocet. Dude, I'm oh, 14. Geez. I'm 14. And, yeah. um, you know, I had an interesting uh, upbringing. It, I am so blessed to have the parents I have. You know, yeah. well, my dad, my dad's deceased, but my mother's still alive. Um, and did you have any kids? Um, so, no, but I have two nieces that might as I mean, I consider them my kids. They're my brother's uh, daughters. But to me, we're so close that... Uh, you know, one of them is my brother's actual daughter. The other is his girlfriend's daughter. But right. I've, you know, I've known. Uh, go ahead. But he's raising them anyways. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Works, works two, works two job. Uh, raises them, deals with a, uh, you know, an ex, which who's is very difficult. <laughs> and, and my, I didn't know there my, was my an brother, ex that wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, nah, it's it's almost not even funny because yeah. she's you know bipolar. My brother, oh man, he works his fucking ass off, dude, and he is such a good dad to those kids, man. You How know, old are the kids? It's, it's inspiring. So my niece, um, her name is Gianna. It's John in Italian. She is a fucking angel. She's thirteen. Yeah. And now. The other one, Alexa, she just got her permit, which is scary as shit because that, that girl's not ready to drive. But uh, yeah, she's driving. So yep. And how old are you? Uh, I'm going to be 34 in July. All right. Did you ever wish you could have had kids or or it's just something that um, uh, you saw you by know, that didn't happen? I don't, I don't want to get into a whole pro-life thing debate, but um, I actually... Man, looking back now, my high school sweetheart and I, um, you know, she got pregnant and, yep. uh, uh, I, I wasn't living good. She, she was such an angel, but she still, you know, she stuck with me. She loved me, you know, yep. we, uh, eventually it, got engaged, but besides that, um, you, you yeah. didn't have the baby, I guess, in the end you had it. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yes. I, I have I have regrets to this day, man, because let's see, I'll be thirty four. So I would have damn man, I would have um She'd be a teen or more. Uh, oh yeah, dude. She she'd be fifteen, sixteen. But, you I know, think. you can't but I think you can't look at life like that. Like can't No, no, no. Listen, like, I'm a, I'm a very spiritual person. Yeah. Um I've, I used to have really bad depression, uh, never anxiety really, because, uh, thankfully I've always had a really good group of friends, like coming from high school. I mean, things are so different now, but I still, I only surround myself with people who are on a positive wave, man. I, I, I don't have time for the bullshit. Yeah, because where I live, if you want to get sucked into bullshit, you don't even have to raise your hand. You'll you'll just get sucked in. <laughs> so I hear you. It's that it, 
Dude, I, I mean, I'm a half hour from the Bronx. I'm not that out of the city. You know, yeah. it's still, uh, you know, so from most your, people. From, from your experience ahead. growing up, like in mm-hmm. your life, uh, you said your yeah. dad had uh, or your, your uh, parents had a temple or a, a church or what a ch- was it? No, thing? no, no, no. A, a funeral home, a chapel. Oh, a chapel. Okay, a funeral home. Yeah. So, yep. so in your Very, childhood... very, very interesting childhood. Yeah, I'm sure. A chapel, yeah. And, and so yeah. in your childhood, was there, you know, in that, just to keep on topic, in, in that age of like, obviously don't remember exactly like one or but, but from zero to 12, was there anything that you could tell me that was like, you know what, that experience uh, changed my perceptions, ideas, whatever the, the my um, psychological base for the rest of my for life? Sure. No, 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 for sure. For sure. Um, I was well, so as soon as I can really understand things coherently, I was I was told that I was adopted. You know, uh, my parents were always very upfront with me about things and they wanted me to understand life and understand like, you know, you were blessed because my biological parents, they were from uh, a city called Newburgh mm-hmm. and it's, it's the worst uh, city in New York state uh, no murder mind. by, by capita. It's the okay. same population as my town it has 40,000 people, but they have so many murders per that, uh, 40,000. Yeah. That it's worse than the boroughs. It's just, uh, it, it's a rough place, man. You know, yeah. and they were young and I'm blessed, but, uh, how, how old were you when you, when you got adopted? Uh, birth, man. Like three oh, yeah, days. And, oh, wow. Yeah. My, my biological mother had 90 days to decide if she did want me back, but my mom always says she knew from day one, uh, you know, I was theirs. But yeah, so getting into the chapel, I learned about death at a young age, you know, yeah. um, but not until I was about seven, yeah, uh, seven or eight. I didn't know anyone that died. Right. Um, so... I don't know. I I understood the process, but I was also such a kid, man. You know, like, but I think it it gave me thick skin for sure. For sure. Um, It made you realize that you might, we might, we end up in a casket eventually. Yes. Yes. And I also saw it take um, a lot out of my father, man. My father had not an easy life. I mean, uh, besides, you know, being, because he was a, he would have had a twin at birth, but his twin passed away. So do you um, think that seeing your dad have a difficult life made it made your concept of life a bit more uh, um, complicated, I guess? I, my upbringing is complicated in, in many ways because we just know so many different families and there's just been a, a, a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, when you I grow up you. in the funeral home business, and especially my mom, my dad grew up comfortable because of his, the funeral home. My mom is for Marble Hill Projects, dude. You know, she's, yeah. uh, I mean, if she tans, she almost looks black, but she, yeah. you know. She she's, she's came from a tougher neighborhood. Oh, dude, fuck yeah. That, that neighborhood now, I mean, it's always not been the best. 
But uh, right now, no, it's dangerous as fuck. That's crazy. Very I, I really appreciate you you calling in to to chat for a bit, but I'm gonna jump back onto onto the podcast oh, yeah. now. If that's cool with you. But I really appreciate the insight and the like. Looks sounds like you've had a uh, a unique upbringing for sure, from funeral home yeah. to yeah, friends man. of the past, and uh, and and I oh. wish you the, the best, man. Yeah, wait. So uh, I'm sorry. You said you're jumping to a podcast. Yeah, so I'm jumping back into my podcast because I, I hit around a certain time limit, and then I gotta go on with the topic uh, I, ah, I was yeah. on. So yeah, yeah so for- is there is there anywhere you recommend for me to? Uh, like what do they call it do you have to follow a room or yeah yeah so if you if uh one of the great things to if you if you like a podcast for example like you click on my my logo or my my name and then there you'll see you can either uh subscribe for it's free you don't have to actually pay anything subscribe to the person so that you get a notification whenever you have yeah and then you can also yeah, and then you can also follow the podcast that people have. So if I have uh, a room, uh, a podcast called Life Extraordinary, and then you follow that one, and then that gives you a notification whenever. Right, right. One yeah, coming. I have. Uh, I think they call it like the Hangburn or something like that. I have that one. Cool. Yeah. Have you just yeah. started up uh, hanging out on this app? Um, maybe a week ago, man. And nice. you know, I just because there are some nut jobs in the in the text, so. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I just listen because there are a lot of, uh, to me, this is a really fucking cool app because yeah. I always say like, I'm a person, I, I have a, a mind that craves stimulation, you mm-hmm. know? And to me, intelligent conversation is very rewarding, very Absolutely. rewarding. And, and it's become very dull these days with people, even right. people I know. You know, yeah. and not to say, I guess I haven't dulled, but we're all under this uh, social media nuts. Yeah. No, but I think it's really neat well, to get how- out of like, like we end up having the same friends and the same family that we have pretty much the same conversations with most of the time. And by yeah. using this app, we end up going into a different conversation, well, different topics and different people. And we, and that's, I think what yeah, makes yeah. It really cool is we connect. With yeah, no, people. this app, this app is cool as shit. What I'm talking about is, um, like, I graduated high school in 06. The iPhone, smart, the first smartphone came out in uh, 07. So since I've graduated high school to now, the world has completely flipped. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look where, look where you are now, uh, having a chat oh, with a guy I'm good, but I worry about, for instance, like, my niece wasn't, like they're just growing up in such a fucked up time, man. Yeah. It's very hard. Well, then, then it's it's good to to direct them to places like here where they can have intellectually stimulating conversation that's not so messed up. And in, and family that's actually supportive with them. And but dude, I'm not gonna hold you hostage here. Yeah. I'll, I'll find somewhere else. To... Well, thanks, Jay. Thanks for calling in. Really appreciate it. No, it's Jay, 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 Jay. Sweet. Yeah. Jay. Well, sweet. Uh, feel free to call in any time with me. Yeah, bro. Uh, awesome. Great. To- great talking. Likewise. Take care. All right. You too. All right. Cheers. Yep. You too. All right. Well, that was Jay calling in from uh, New York, and that was pretty, pretty awesome because we had some conversations that were 
uh, unexpected. You know, today was uh, the, the topic was uh, how I raise my kids, and yet ended up seeing how other people go through their own challenges in life and 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 rewards. Um, it sounds like Jay found a really cool family that he was adopted into since he was born. Uh, lived in uh, worked well, not work, but his dad had a funeral home and just just really neat things. And came from a tough neighborhood. Like here I am sitting. In a, in a camper in the forest with beautiful trees. And I can only imagine the life in places like the Bronx and, uh, and New York's rat race. So thanks a lot, Jay. Really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so there you go, folks. Um, going back to, to tips and tricks on how I've been raising my kids is, you know, spending as much time with them as possible. And that is key. And a lot of people often ask us, how do you do it? How do you spend so much of your time with them? And fortunately, because my work allows me to have my own schedule, I'm able to be with them all the time. So that gives them a lot of self-security um, for sure. And uh, and there you go. Um, a few other things that I highly recommend is taking your kids out to nature because it has a pacifying effect on them that, uh, that the wilderness has on us as adults as well. And so we spend a lot of time hiking and camping um, in, in the wilderness and canoeing. And, and I think it's pretty key to when you bring your kids out to nature to, to make sure that you're doing so in a way that, um, stimulates them, but that doesn't scare them either. You know, um, when I have, when we're on a hike or a bike or whatever it may be, and the kids are just like, you know, I'm exhausted and I don't want to go anymore. Um, for sure you have to push them enough to get back to your camp or, um, or to get to the next camp spot. But, I think it's key into not pushing them too much so that they don't enjoy the activity. Because if you do that, then they get this flavor in their mouth that forever is like, well, I don't like to go canoeing because I couldn't stop whenever I wanted to. Um, and I and I use the tent trick quite frequently with the kids, um, as I've done before in my life, which is if you've got to pitch the tent uh, in order to keep everybody happy at the moment that they need it, then do so. Because Otherwise, making them keep walking in pouring rain and misery um, really isn't going to inspire them to want to get out into the woods again. Um, a few different things is obviously uh, frequently um, showing your children that you love them by by cleaning their mouths and, and hugging them and kissing them. Because all of these um, things, particularly hugs and kisses and cuddling, add so much to their feeling of security. And it's really interesting that in the old days, like my grandfather wouldn't actually hug his daughters. Um, and it was only his last daughter out of 10 that he would be affectionate with. And I think personally that that's a bit traumatizing for children um, to have parents that are very cold. So, so in my case, definitely highly recommend um, giving your kid a hug and all of that because it adds so much to their feeling of being secure. And, and scientifically, I mean, even since the, the, the moment your baby is born, um, there's a thing called skin to skin where you put the baby up against you. Um, and, and that is known as being one of the most um, medically best things for you to get your kid breathing properly and breastfeeding and um, and uh, and feeling comfort because that's why they in the neonatal unit in the emergency wards they've got that they, they like literally push for the mothers and or fathers and the babies to do lots of skin to skin because they've shown that this gets the kid out of their dire situation much much quicker so I guess uh, that's a few 
few more little tips there and and uh and there you go that's the podcast for today on uh on how i raise my kids thank you to jay for jumping in for a while there and uh looking forward to the next one because um there'll be a lot of them coming up soon so give your kid a hug give your kid a kiss and don't forget life is too short to be grumpy